Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, you and I normally spend a few minutes on Sunday morning engaging with the words of the Bible and trying to discern how God might be speaking to us now from this or that book of the Bible, from this or that story about Jesus. I chose this morning instead to speak with you about a song we sing on at least half of the Sundays of the year, a song we sang just moments ago, Glory to God in the Highest and Peace to God's People on Earth. And for this sermon, I brought with me two pieces of outdated technology, a book, some of you may be old enough to remember books and a compact disc. Surely none of you is old enough to remember compact discs. The book is actually in the pew with you, our worship book known as the ELW. And in the book, the ELW, there on pages 91, 92, and 93, you don't have to look this up unless you want to right now, pages 91, 92, and 93 is the outline of Sunday worship with the required parts printed in bold and the optional parts not printed in bold. And this is a venerable tradition, well over a thousand years old in the printing of Christian worship books, the shall instructions and the may instructions. There is a difference between saying thou shalt and saying thou may. The assembly shall do this means it's obligatory, The assembly may do this means it's optional. Clergy have shall and may instructions for us as well. In this particular book on pages 91, 92, and 93, the shall instructions, the mandatory parts are printed in bold for your convenience, and the may instructions, the optional parts, are printed in not bold. And on page 92, when it talks about how We begin worship each Sunday. It says there are two mandatory parts and four optional parts. The two mandatory parts, interestingly, are the greeting, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, etc., etc., and also with you. That's mandatory. And the prayer of the day, which convenes us and draws us into the themes of the spiritual themes of the day. That's mandatory. And then there are four optional parts. The confession or affirmation of baptism. You can do one or the other or neither. The hymn, the Kyrie, and the canticle of praise. So there are four optional pieces in the opening of Sunday worship. And at Dove of Peace, we use two of them almost every Sunday of the year. The gathering hymn, today it was O Zion Haste, And the Kyrie, we do that just about every Sunday around here. We almost always do them, but we don't have to. The confession is something that we do on about 40 Sundays of the year. So most, but not all Sundays of the year. And and I hear about that when we don't do the confession. I hear about that. And then the canticle of praise, today's topic, we include on about 40 Sundays of the year. And it varies between this is the feast which we sing about 10 to 12 Sundays of the year, and Glory to God in the Highest, which we sing about 30 Sundays of the year. 
And on the remainder of Sundays, we omit the canticle of praise. And I want you to be aware of these things, partly because this is something crucial about Lutheran Christianity, which is celebrating its 500th anniversary in a couple of months. You'll be hearing about it every time you turn on CNN or the Discovery Channel and they talk about 500 years of Lutheranism, and you'll think, oh, that's me. And your friends might ask you why you are a Lutheran. So Pastor Steve is here to tell you why that matters. One reason it matters is that Lutherans respect tradition, but we don't submit to it. We believe that people need tradition. They need patterns. They need reliability. But we also believe that sometimes people start to worship customs and habits. And they declare that human inventions are God's will when they clearly are not. Jesus himself quoted the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. You and I and other citizens of the United States are at this very moment experiencing a big debate about Civil War memorials, Civil War monuments. In Christian history, which is vastly bigger and longer than American history, we also have our monuments. And sometimes those monuments become false gods. Sometimes people become obsessed with eliminating those monuments. Some people worship tradition for its own sake because it's become a god. Some people reject tradition simply because it is tradition. Lutheranism takes the middle path, which is outlined by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. If traditions are good and constructive, we keep them. If traditions are bad and divisive, we eliminate them. That's the Lutheran way. So if somebody asks you this October, you can tell them that much. And therefore, what you find on pages 91, 92, and 93, what, and what you experience every Sunday that you worship at Dove of Peace on a Sunday is a carefully crafted blending of what is required and what is not required. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth is not required. That is why on many Sundays we sing it, on other Sundays we sing this is the feast, and on other Sundays we sing nothing at all after the Kyrie. Martin Luther said that the congregation should sing this song on most Sundays, unless the pastor decided that it shouldn't. <laughs> and Luther said that in his Formula Mise et Communionis Pro Ecclesia Wittenbergensi, the Latin order for mass in Wittenberg that he created in 1523, which was followed by the German order for mass in 1526, which did not include glory to God in the highest. I brought a book and a compact disc to the sermon today. In the book, there are 10 different musical settings for Holy Communion. We're doing, this morning, setting one. And in those 10 different settings of Holy Communion, there are 10 different musical versions of Glory to God. And at Dove of Peace, we have used all 10 of them. I'm sure we're the only congregation in Arizona that can say that. I don't know if that's a good thing to say or a bad thing to say, but I think we're the only ones who can say that. And in case you get bored with those 10, the book has three more versions, number 162, 163, and 164, and so far we've only used one of those, so we still have two more to experiment with. We'll get to them. 
<laughs> I, bought a, I brought a book and I brought a compact disc. I know most of you guys don't know what a compact disc is, but this is how we used to listen to music. And this is one of my most cherished CDs. It's still available. You can, you can still buy it. Or you, can still, or you can also pay Amazon and download the music. Antonio Vivaldi's Gloria, Glory to God in the Highest, his, his musical orchestration, his, his version of this, Robert Shaw and the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra and Chamber Chorus, 1989. One of my earliest and most treasured digital recordings. Today, I possess dozens of recordings of Glory to God in the Highest by Beethoven, Johann Sebastian Bach, Mozart, Haydn, Schubert, Dvorak, on and on. I grew up hearing the Glory to God sung in classical music, and I grew up going to church every Sunday morning. But it wasn't until I joined the Lutheran family that I could sing this song as part of my worship with Beethoven and Bach and Haydn and Vivaldi. When I began to experience Lutheran worship, my song was able to join with the song of Vivaldi and Mozart from the 18th century and Beethoven from the 19th century and Bach from the 17th century. When I joined the Lutheran worship experience, my voice came alongside the music of all those geniuses that I had grown to love when I was a teenager and a young man. And later, when I was educated in preparation for becoming a pastor, I learned how this song goes back to the earliest Christian church, that it was sung by Christians first in Greek before the church began to speak Latin, that it is older than the creeds that we recite, and I learned finally and ultimately that this is a Christian psalm modeled upon the ancient songs of Israel, which are the psalms of our Old Testament. So there, be, there may be no greater song of kinship than glory to God in the highest. And in these current times, these days, darkened by division when armed Nazis are marching, not in the streets of Germany, but in the great public spaces of America. In these days when the church must spiritually bolster the nation's immune system so that the bacteria of hatred and the virus of fear and the cancer of division do not overwhelm the body of the nation's public life, in these days it is fitting that part of our customary practice, part of our witness is this great song about Christ that establishes kinship horizontally around the world every Sunday with hundreds of millions of Christians in every time zone and in every language and vertically through the centuries and the eons, testifying to our unity with the saints of the past who have gotten through their share of struggles as well. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. It is the angel's song at the beginning of the Christmas story, which is itself the beginning 
of the Christian story. It is fitting to begin our Sunday worship on a fairly frequent basis with the angels' voices from Christmas. It is fitting to stand with this monument to the enduring message of Christianity. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth, or as the King James Version translated it for my ancestors, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. Amen. <laughs>